Hello, welcome to the Session 6 Sport Performance Podcast powered by Weight Endurance. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the table here from my co-host, Kathy Waite. Hello, everybody. Uh, our program here is brought to you by our 2020 Base Builder Program, our 15th annual Base Builder Training Program, taking you through our annual off-season base training thought processes and training progressions to make you a fitter and faster rider by spring. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> this is episode 12, and this week we're going to be talking about uh, our testing protocol. So we have testing coming up. We're nearing the end of um, our first block of training, which has been um, just easy aerobic, low heart rate riding outside um, and getting used to the gym movements and building up some kind of strength foundation um, in the gym. And block two is coming up the week after next, and we kick off block two with the it's the structured workout, the beginning of the structured workouts on the bike. So we kick that off with testing. So it's right around the corner here. So we felt like this is a going to be an important episode here to kind of talk about our the specifics of our testing. Right, and it's one of your favorite topics. Uh, you've worked really hard over the years to tweak and well, formulate and then tweak the testing protocol. We've done it a little bit differently each year. Each year, yeah. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think the, the form that it's in now is really good. And there's a lot to talk about. So um, we'll we'll just kind of briefly talk about what we've been up to and then save the questions that have come in lately for next um, our next podcast episode because we, we just have a lot to cover with the testing protocol. Yeah, our testing protocol, like Kathy said, has been kind of formulated over the last about five years um, since we've been using smart trainers at session six um, and figuring this out. And it's a little different than the most common like 20 minute time trial to find FTP, you know, 5% of that to find FTP. We go a little more de in depth and a little deeper and, um, What's well, a little more comprehensive? Comprehensive. Think, than that's the, the word. traditional methods. And you got a fun and fancy spreadsheet here that we want to spend time uh, looking at so that it makes sense to you when you are plugging in your results at home. Um, yeah, and it's really fun to see your progress along the way. I know personally I get a little nervous about doing the test because <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like back in the day in high school when I ran track and I had to gear up for some painful efforts. Um, but the cool part is you get to see your progress as you go. and. Right. We'll be on the trainer for the next, what, six months or so, and we'll test a few times, and it is it is rewarding to see the progress that you make. It is, it is. And thankfully, our testing intervals are relatively short. We don't have to go all out for 20 minutes. Right, that's, that's, Hallelujah. that's for sure. I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't handle that one. <laughs> it's much shorter, but we'll get into that um, in a little bit here. So, yeah, I mean, what... Yeah, let's just start with what we've been up to. Um, do you want to talk about your haircut? Oh, I got a great haircut. Guys, right. if you could just see him right now, it's really it's really cute. Right, it was getting a little crazy, um, and we got it trimmed down a little bit, but... Yeah, uh, so thanks, Kim. Yeah, we're Kim good. Kim elsewhere. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I've been riding... We've been riding our bikes a pretty yeah. good amount. I mean, two, three, even some four times, like, longer, three-plus, three, four-hour rides recently. Yeah, we've racked up some good um, feet of climbing and some hours and miles. Um, I'm feeling like I'm finally getting back in shape a little bit. Yeah, you're My doing knees great. feeling good. Um, and we opted, well, we haven't raced cross in a few weeks because last weekend we were in Eagle, Colorado, which is about two hours west of Denver for the high school mountain bike race weekend. We had two days of racing that we were there for. Yeah. Um, and then this weekend we just didn't feel like racing. So we opted just to ride our bikes. Yeah. I looked, um, online at USA cycling, like my ranking points. Cause I'm like, when am I going to like start moving up in the call-ups? Cause I'm still like back row call-up for, and then for cross, that's not great. But, um, are you still in the back row? Yes. But the good news is what when is? we do is I've, I've done six races okay. in the, since we started probably, uh, when was that? Like August? Know. Yeah. A couple... No, September. So yeah, four or five weeks. I've done six races because there were we had a Wednesday night race series. I did a, um, about three of those. But at any rate, I think it's once you get those six races in, um, because they take your best six race results. Which the way USAC ranks things, it's like your you, the lower your score in the race, the oh, better. Right. 
your call up is. So you want okay. the lowest score possible and they take your best six. So up until this point, I've always, I've had some zeros because I didn't have six mm-hmm. races. So now I've got six, even though one of them wasn't that great because I crashed and whatnot. But I think the next time I race, I'll start to see some better call ups. Oh, okay. Might so make I should probably better. go online and, and check to see where I am. Yeah. To see where you are. Um, so at any rate, yeah, I mean, we'll have a few weeks away from cross and maybe we'll be eager to do some more. <laughs> yeah, I just needed a little break from it, and it was a little bit cold this weekend, um, and if I w- had raced in Boulder this weekend, it was going to be 8 a.m. start time, and that just did not sound appealing. Right. <laughs> At all. We're fair weather cross Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm obviously not that serious, but um, we should just briefly do some shout-outs for the, the high school race last weekend, because it was the first time we've gotten to see... Uh, all of our kids that are on our WeDevo team, our youth development team, race. Right. Yeah, so for those listening from abroad um, in other states, Colorado is one of the few that I think, um, probably California, that has two um, divisions, conferences, conferences yeah. uh, a north and a south, um, because we have so many high school mountain bike racers in Colorado, which is awesome. Yeah, I think there's about 1,300 per conference, so oh, over 2,500 in the entire state. Right, um, that's crazy. That racing. What's crazy about it is that people don't even realize that the high school mountain biking is a sport. Like I'll mention to friends, they have kid, high right. schoolers. Oh even. yeah, my yeah. daughters race on the high school mountain bike team. What? Mountain biking is a high school sport? Right, and it's way bigger than any. Yeah, it's team huge. On it's huge. Most high schools, but anyway. Um, so there's the two divisions. So thus far, the first four, three, three races. Yeah, the the. Races, the weekends were split. So the north would race in one location and the south would race in the other. So we we have a couple racers in our north division that our daughter's in. Um, and But the, I'd say most of our team was actually in the south division. So we didn't get to see them race for their high school um, up until this last weekend. So that, that was fun to um, see Sophia's north division race mm-hmm. Saturday. And then we got to hang around Sunday and watch Kennedy and Blake and Nate. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, everyone race. did really well. I, I think that this course is fun for the kids. It has some fun elements to it, especially the finish descent down a trail called Haymaker, which is a crowd pleaser, the way they right. kind of fly down these berms, and it's crazy. Good to photo, photo yeah. ops. But uh, yeah, I'd say Kennedy and uh, Sophia both p- were pretty aggressive in their races and, and had good results at the end. Kennedy was six in her varsity South race and Sophia was second, and I think Blake was third in the JV. So we, I'm sorry, Nate. Nate. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, Blake. Uh, yeah, Nate was third. So it was it was a fun weekend. We were proud of the kids, and we're gearing up for one more Nike race. The state finals, right? Yeah. Next weekend we'll drive down to Durango and get to watch all the kids race again. Yeah, and that way they'll now it's like the best of the best. They all will race against each other and uh, in one race or their category. Yeah, that'll be fun. And we'll do a special podcast down there with um, a mystery guest, which we'll we'll talk about later on. A special Durango resident guest. Yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> oh, I, oh, and I, it's a female. It's a female. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I guess enough Yeah, that's chit-chat. probably good, we'll and this. let's dig right into the testing. Okay. Um, maybe first you can just explain why we test. Okay. Um, that's helpful, I think, for a baseline. Yeah, I mean, testing... What, yeah, why do we test? I mean, the, the big thing is really to identify where we're at in training. And this goes for whatever training program you're following. You want to know, get at least some sort of quantitative data of where your fitness is at. So then you can later in the program retest and then um, be able to see your the gains you're making, the improvements you're making. Um, if for some reason you're not making improvements, then you probably need to look back at are you doing what you're supposed to be doing. But in general, people will make those progressions typically this time of year i mean cyclocross racers excluded we've kind of come down off of um like a summer peak so to speak and oftentimes september october november we're maybe in our most out of shape uh time of the year so we want to do these early tests now so we get that kind of benchmark to start the season and then as you test every however many weeks you test in our case we do it about once every two months and um, notice the improvements that you're making. Um, Another real benefit, and this comes more so with our testing protocol um, compared to, like, say, the classic 20-minute FTP test, 
is that our test will kind of give you some insight into like your strengths and weaknesses as a rider. Now you may already kind of know if you're like a sprinter or a climber or an endurance person or whatever, um, but it, this really puts more of a number to it, and we'll talk more about that um, based on like your fatigue rate, how much your testing intervals are declining in power as they get longer, and um, lets you know it lets you track from test to test even how that is improving or maybe not improving, and how you need to make that change to make sure you stay on track. So, um, and then I guess the other reason too, and this all kind of wraps it up is like with the test data you get, then you can set your training zones and target powers and or heart rates that you need for the training that you're going to be doing following your, your program. So, <clears throat> you know, I think testing is a important piece of any training program. And, well, I think uh, it's the integral piece, to be honest. Um, on our ride today, uh, the group of people we were with, Darren was saying that his fellow teachers were asking him what a trainer class was, and he was mm. trying to explain it. And the comments were, oh, so it's like a spin class. Yeah, I get and that And he's like, time. no. And he tried to explain again, and they said, so it's a spin class. <laughs> and and um, he just let it go, which was the wise move. Right. I don't think people who aren't cyclists aren't going to, number one, care and number two, maybe not understand. Yeah. Um, and spin classes are great. If you just want to be generally fit and you like spin Get your heart classes, rate up, sweat, yeah. And go to your local rec center, go to a cycling yogi class, go go do that. But um, the, the trainer series we do and, and the testing protocol that we have sets it apart from just like a fitness class at a rec center. Like you are going to be very intentional about your training zones. You're going to track your progress. You're going to stay motivated to train through the winter months by by wanting to see your numbers improve. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is very much a specific training program for cyclists. For you don't necessarily have to be a racer, but yeah, you're training for something in cycling. Um, yeah. And and any program or training programs out there that are cycling event related yeah it should incorporate they all do and should incorporate testing and it's an important piece um so yeah um well let's just jump right into like the outline of what our testing looks like and then dive even deeper into the how-tos like what equipment do you need are you indoors or outdoors how do you do this yeah let's do it um so for those for our testing protocol um, there's a couple different ways you can do it. The way I would highly recommend doing it, um, is depending on how you're going to spend your time training. So I'm talking about indoor versus outdoor. Um, I would say the majority of the people following our program and a lot of, um, kind of base training programs end up doing their interval work, their structured work on a trainer. Um, so you'd want to do your testing on the same trainer. So you get the same, so you get the data from that that you're going to be training using um, on the trainer. Now, if you're doing this program, and we have some people doing this program like in Arizona, Phoenix area, for example, where they may or may not need to be on the trainer, and they're going to do all their training outside, then do the testing outside. And you can do this outside, and we'll kind of touch on that as we explain the specifics of the, the actual test. Um, but the bottom line is test on what you're going to train basically That's such great advice because personally we will test indoors because we'll train indoors for the majority of the next six months of time but come spring we usually do another test right, before we go outside again right like april may ish we'll, we'll go outside and do a, a test we'll do the same test but we'll do it outside because uh, yeah like you said from, from then spring on, on we'll or... be riding our bikes outside right exactly so um, that's the, the takeaway there. So now let's talk specifically about those using trainers. Um, to do this test effectively, you're going to need a bit of equipment. Okay. Um, you're going to need a heart rate monitor. You're going to need a, either a smart trainer or power meter or a power based trainer of sorts. So you, ideally you'll need to know power, how much work you're doing. Um, you can do this on a dumb trainer, a non-power trainer, if you have um, a power meter on your bike. And it can anything that, that, as long as you're pedaling on the bike on the trainer, if you can get your power data, you're, you should be good to go. Um, well, you know, let me interject there yeah. too. Um, tests are 
better done on the same piece of equipment every time too. So if if you right at this moment only have a non-smart trainer and you say you have a stages um, power meter on your bike and then for Christmas your partner buys you a fancy smart trainer, you definitely want to retest because it's going to be a little bit different with a a different equipment. Definitely, yeah. So if you do accumulate new equipment, you'll have to retest again um, before that. Um, so let's see. Uh, so using a smart trainer for this test, you want to be sure, cause this is a big question I get all the time is you, you don't want to do this in the ERG mode, the ERG mode where the, where the trainer is, um, providing the resistance or the workload for you. You need to make sure you're in kind of the free mode or the level mode or the slope mode, whatever, um, your particular trainer calls it where it's essentially just acting like a regular trainer giving you the power output that you're doing. So it's acting essentially like a power meter. Yeah, it's just going to collect the data, but you're going to pedal as hard or light as you want. Yeah, and you'll be able to shift to go, you know, to go harder, you're either going to shift to a bigger gear and it'll your power will go up or if you have like slope mode, you can, you know, t- type the, you know, arrow up to increase the slope to give you more resistance, more power. Um so it's in your ability to pedal harder, produce more power, because um, that's what we want to know. We don't want to do this like as a percentage of anything, or you know, in that erg mode. Um, you want to be in that open, free level slope mode, so you're able to pedal as hard as you can for, the, or the appropriate amount that you should be doing for the test interval, and collect that data. Um, the other thing is make sure your batteries are good and your heart rate monitor. Um, and everything's like working properly. It seems obvious, but many times we've had test days at the gym and somebody shows up and they're like, oh, my heart rate monitor doesn't work. Oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. When was the last time you changed the battery? Oh, I haven't used it in a year or two. Um, so make sure, um, you got all that stuff. Or they have like an old chain on and it's just not even working right on the trainer. So just like we touched base a couple episodes ago. Last episode. Was it last episode? I think oh, so. About having all your equipment ready. It's really important for um, test day that you have everything dialed in so you can just get going. Yeah, definitely. Um, what else? What other things do we... Hmm. Like yeah, I mean, you're going to want like people. a sweat towel. You're going to want a fan. You're going to want your favorite music because you got to get like pumped up for this. Like You're going to be going hard for... Well, for the hard ones, four minutes and one minute. So maybe you have like Thunderstruck for that four minute one, which isn't that about a four minute song? <laughs> like, <laughs> kind of think it through. Like, what makes you get energized and excited and and ready to put the power out? Okay. Um, all right. So let's just talk more specifically about our testing protocol because it's it's definitely different. Like I've said, than the classic twenty minute test. There is a twenty minute test here, but do not be confused thinking it's the classic like time trial at twenty minutes. Um, the, okay. So our test has essentially two elements to it. We're testing the lower intensity aerobic end of things because we want to see what your aerobic fitness is and we want to see that improve. Okay. And that's done with a 20 minute aerobic test. And I'll talk more specifically about that in a second. The second portion of the test, once you've recovered from your 20 minute aerobic test is an anaerobic power test. And that consists of a four-minute time trial, so kind of an all-out effort for four minutes, and then a lot of rest, and then a one-minute time trial or one-minute all-out effort, okay? And all three of these testing intervals, the 20-minute one, the four-minute one, and the one-minute one, you want to be sure you collect your average power output for those durations, okay? So it's important when you're doing this is make sure you hit the lap buttons on your computer, um, on your bike. So you, you know, hit lap, record the interval, hit lap again to stop it and, or not stop it, but go to the next lap. It makes it way easier to then go back afterwards to find the, the data. Uh, save yourself a lot of time, um, that way. Um, <clears throat> so we've got these two, two segments of tests. We've got an aerobic test and an anaerobic test, and this will all kind of happen within about a one hour time period after a little bit of a warm up. Um, and then some recovery in between those intervals. All right, so the aerobic test, 
the way we do this is you, you want you need to first of all you need to know what your max heart rate is, um, and from there we figure out what our aerobic threshold heart rate is approximately, which is about eighty percent of your max heart rate. <clears throat> and you're going to spend the entire twenty minute aerobic test right at you know plus or minus a beat or two of that eighty percent of your max heart rate. Okay? Right. Right. So, so what, what does someone do if they don't know their max heart rate? Good question, because we do get people that, like, they haven't maybe trained with heart rate in a long time or whatever. Um, we did touch on this on a previous podcast, but let's just throw that in there for people. Yeah, so if you have no idea, let's go through if you have a little bit of an idea. If you've used a heart rate monitor in the recent year, um, hopefully, like, in some hard interval training sessions or maybe a race, think back to what the highest heart rate you've seen um, you know, if it's at the end of a long endurance race, that's probably not your max heart rate. But if it's at the end of a something where you sprinted, you know, a maximum effort, likely that heart rate you hit was pretty close to your max heart rate. Um, or if you were doing some like 30 second to one minute intervals that you knew you were going really hard, likely again, you're pretty close to that max heart rate. Um, now your max heart rate will change a bit as you get older, as your fitness changes. Um, you know, generally speaking, the more fit you become, your, your max heart rate tends to kind of get lower, um, and things like that. But you want to just have a good idea of what that is. Now, if you have no idea where to go from here, um, a starting point, I would say for about 90% or more of the population is a taking the number 185 and subtracting your age from it, that will get you not your max heart rate, but your aerobic threshold heart rate. And ultimately, that's what we're wanting to do this 20-minute test at. Does that make sense? Right. So I'm 45. So mm -hmm. I take 185 minus 45, and I have 140. So right. I would pedal my bike for 20 minutes and and try to hover right at the 140 mark. Yeah, plus or minus like two beats. So right. if you could keep it between 138 and 142... And actually, for me, that lines up pretty well because I know that I have maxed out at like 182 a couple years ago in a race. So even if we said 180, I think that's around 142, 143. Yes, it's very close. For my aerobic threshold. Right. Yeah. Now, there are some people out there that have abnormally high max heart rates or abnormally low max heart rates. And that's that 10% maybe of the population. It's probably even less than that. That, that 185 minus your age to find your aerobic threshold, your which is about 80% of your max heart rate, isn't applicable. But likely, if you've used a heart rate monitor before in the past, you kind of know if you're, quote-unquote, sort of in the normal range or if you're like right. abnormally Go back and look at your data. Try to figure out something that seems accurate. Yeah. Um, and some other things to think about, you know, 80% of your max heart rate is kind of a basically a moderate effort. Um, it's certainly not hard. You can talk. Um, although in this test, you're not going to want to talk because that'll make your heart rate go up. Um, but it's that sort of like six out of 10, I would say. Right. You're going to have a conversation or, or you could have a conversation, but it would take a little bit of effort. Right. Um, yeah. And can I just say a few things about sure. how I felt about this test? Yeah. Yeah. 20 minutes can seem like a long time, and <laughs> so sometimes I feel like I'm bored doing this, um, and you can lose focus. But if you lose focus, you're going to likely slow down your pedaling, and then your heart rate will go too low, and then you've skewed the results because then your average heart, your average power drops down because you let your heart rate get too low. Mm -hmm. So re that's why I'm encouraging interesting music so that you stay engaged. Right. And, and stay focused. Like, don't close your eyes and zone out or you'll wake up, you'll look at your computer. And, and way go, high oh, or way crap. low, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're too high, too. Because it, it is easy because you're kind of bored or it's not that oh, hard. Yeah, and you definitely are holding back. Oh, you're holding yeah, back. It's yeah. easy to go too hard on this test. Yeah, I have to basically stare at my computer almost yeah. the whole time, you know. So, and stay relaxed. If I feel um, on edge or if I'm kind of like excited slash nervous about seeing what my average power is going to be for the 20 minutes, my heart rate shoots up. It's really annoying. Yeah, you are really sensitive. I'm to very that. sensitive to it. It's sort of like warming up for a, a mountain bike race for me. So I just have to think about like, relax, relax, relax. And my heart rate will drop down like five beats. So right. if you're wired more like I am, do your best to stay relaxed and, as well as being engaged. 
Right. Um, and to touch on that, so the cadence that you perform this test interval at is self-selected. Um, in general, most people from our experience in the gym kind of settle in around, I'd say on the lower end of things, like kind of 85-ish um, RPMs. Because typically if you're like 95 to 100, if you're more of a spinner, that typically gets your heart rate up a little higher. Um, and what you're looking for in this test is your average power output over the 20 minutes at 80% of your max heart rate or at your aerobic threshold, okay? Because we're looking for aerobic threshold power. Um, so there are those little tricks there. If you kind of pedal just a slightly lower cadence, that'll kind of help keep your power up, but your heart rate down a little bit. And then, like you said, breathing, kind of trying to relax, um, avoid standing up because as most people know, if you stand up, your heart rate also goes up. Um, but I mean, you can stand up briefly to stretch or whatever. Um, but don't, I wouldn't do extended periods. Yeah, standing definitely up. not. Um, definitely yeah. have the fan going on you. That'll keep you cooler, heart rate a little lower. Um, and in that, in the zone power higher, um, heart rate lower or heart rate right at where it should be. Yeah. And stay hydrated, be hydrated. Going be hydrated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's our, so that's the 20 minute test in a nutshell. It's 20 minutes aerobic power is what we're looking for. So the idea behind this is just to set that benchmark of where your aerobic fitness, your aerobic power is. And then when you retest in two months, that the idea is, you know, let's say you were pedaling at 140 heart rate for 20 minutes um, and your aerobic power Well, yeah, we're looking last at year. last year, I pulled up some test results from April 2018 and my aerobic threshold 20 minute power was 167 167 and then two months later when you retest it's very possible that it'll be 177 or something like yeah. that it usually goes up like five or ten watts for me per like each test we do right so the the ultimate goal is to get that power that aerobic power as high as you can get and that's telling your your aerobic fitness is improving um Subsequently, your endurance is improving, and you're not slowing down as much over the course of the of, of the twenty minutes. Yeah, what do you always say? That little phrase you say. Um, oh, well, in for racing. Yeah, for racing. Yeah, so for racing, I mean, in, in the endurance sport world, this is true for running, cycling, whatever. The person that wins the race is typically the one that slows down the least. Okay, so because when we start a race, think about any kind of race when we start. Everyone that starts is going essentially the same speed, probably for or the a first huge group. Yeah, a huge a huge group are going the more or less the same speed for at least the first thirty seconds, or you know potentially longer. And then it's who slows down the least over fill in the blank the duration of the race, and that's normally the winner. So it's all about extending that fatigue rate, lowering the fatigue rate, ex you know, extending the endurance. And improving that aerobic fitness so you resist slowing down and can hold higher power over longer durations. Um, I mean, that's the ultimate like goal of the training for an endurance sport like this. And this gives us a little snapshot into what our aerobic um, fitness is. Okay. So the, let's see here. Yeah, I mean, I think that yeah, covers the Yeah, and it kind of ties test. into why we've been riding longer and slower outside, too. Just, like, laying that foundation of the house. Yeah. To use that old, you know, analogy. Just low um, low heart rate aerobic base miles are going to do a lot towards building our aerobic fitness. And that is ultimately, like, what I want to be able to do is ride for a long time without getting fatigued. Right. And it really doesn't matter how long your events are. I mean, you can go back to you know, the running days with like Arthur Lydier, the famous running coach, and, you know, he would have his 800-meter runner, so a race that, what would an 800-meter... Two minutes. Yeah, like a two-minute race. And he'd have them running, you know, 100 or more miles a week, all at low intensities to build up that fatigue resistance so they can maintain that start speed through the duration of their whole race. So, mm -hmm. um, And then it makes obvious more, more sense when you're talking about a 100-mile race and you know, you need the fitness there, but it's for all distances, um, that aerobic fitness. So that's the first part of the test. Okay. Is that 20 minute aerobic test. So do not confuse this. 
com- yeah, confuse this with seeing 20-minute tests and thinking it's a time trial <laughs> that you're going to go over your best watts and subtract 5% from to figure out your FTP. That is a test, but it's not what we're doing here, okay? This is just our aerobic test. What's fun about this test is you can actually do it pretty darn frequently because it's not hard. It's not stressful for your body. It's not stressful for your body. Yeah. It's frankly, I don't think it's not even really hard. You just go do it. No, it's not that hard. And we, we do it outside kind of frequently anyway on our favorite local climb lookout just to see what our heart rate average is getting or or, sorry, our our time to get to the top of lookout, keeping our heart rate at our aerobic threshold. That's kind of fun. Yeah, And then in terms of the testing indoors for the next two parts, it's a really good warm-up. Yes. Yeah. For the next two parts. Exactly. So within our one-hour test session, yeah, the 20-minute aerobic test essentially is a very thorough warm-up for the anaerobic piece. Um, so before we move on to the anaerobic piece, for those people that don't have a power meter, don't have a smart trainer, <clears throat> and are somewhat limited here, you... You, you have less accuracy that there's still some things you can do here. If you're doing this test on a trainer, if you can somehow record the speed or the distance you cover for the 20 minutes, so if you have like a speed sensor on your rear, rear wheel or whatever, you can record that for that 20 minute at your 80% max heart rate and record that as like a data point. Now, the tricky part here is the next time you test, the the variables are quite high and it's not super accurate. You got to make sure like you're on the same like uh, tire pressure. I mean, honestly, the same like tread on the tire, mm-hmm. which changes all the time. You know, there's a lot of variables that are going to skew this, but it can give you at least something, something to work with. Yeah. And then along similar lines, if you go and do this test outside and you don't have a power meter... If you have a set course, you can do do it and figure out um, either a time, let's say like over a set course, up a hill, whatever the case may be. If you don't have a hill in your area, it's, it could be a flat course, that's fine. Um, and you can figure out, you know, how, how long does it take you? Like you said, if you do it up Lookout Mountain here in Denver, you know, it takes you 25 minutes in, um, what is it right now? November and then maybe in spring at the same heart rate it takes you 23 minutes or something right it's October but okay October (laughs) let's not jump ahead too much I'm not ready for dark dark days right Um, Um, so that will hopefully for those that don't have the power data there are ways you can still use this test and for sure make it work so as kind of a caveat or side note um Actually, I w- I'll save this for later. So let's, right. <laughs> let's move on. Um, so you're all warmed up now. You did the 20-minute test. You can, If you're indoors, you can get off your bike, go to the bathroom, you know, drink some sugars if you'd like, and then get back on the trainer. Gear up for the next part. Yeah. So the next part is the anaerobic part, and this is the hard part, <laughs> the part that maybe induces a little bit of stress for those that have done it before. Um, so the anaerobic test they're short. That's the good news. We're talking about a four-minute test effort and a one-minute test effort separated by about six or seven minutes. More or less, you feel fully recovered and ready to go for the the next test. Um, So with these, you want to go as hard as you can. You're going to record again the average power that you get for the four minutes and the one minute and input those numbers into our spreadsheet that we'll talk about in a second. So what we're looking for with these anaerobic tests is now we're testing kind of the top end energy system as opposed to the lower end with the aerobic test that we just completed. And what we're really looking for is two things. One, we want to see improvements, obviously, in those numbers over the months, see higher average power. Um, but we're also with this these two data points as we are able to use a formula to calculate how much our power is declining when we go from one minute all out to four minute all out, okay? The idea here is you figure out the percentage that your power is dropping off as the durations increase, okay? And that percentage is what's referred to as your fatigue rate. And that lets you then kind of extrapolate out as durations increase 
as long as it's a linear increase like doubling. So when we go from 4 minutes to 8 minutes to 16 minutes to 32 minutes to 64 minutes, those are doubling durations, we can estimate that our power will drop at that fatigue rate percentage that we've calculated at, along those mm -hmm. lines, okay? And we can talk more about that when we get to the spreadsheet, for sure, right? Right. Well, it, do we do the four-minute test before the one-minute test or the one-minute test before the four-minute test? So we do the four-minute test first. Um, we've done this a number of different ways over the years. In fact, we used to do a one-minute, a two-minute, and a four-minute. Yeah, that was painful. Going with the, the whole doubling of duration concept, one, two, four. With the idea, back then I was thinking like, I want to I want to get all three of these data points. One, so if there was like an error, like we didn't have a good test effort in the two, we could always back it up in the four or vice versa. So we had some data, the multiple data points. But what happened is it's extremely difficult. Yeah, you, you inevitably hold back on one of the tests because you were nervous that you weren't going to have enough energy to put out the power on the next to test. To sort of finish the workout yeah. of the tests, yeah. And yeah, what ultimately ended up happening, testing like hundreds of people over a couple of years doing it that way, is the fatigue rates, that percent drop was kind of abnormally high. It was higher than it really should have been, even for the, the, the individual. Like, yeah. like I, I kind of have a good idea of what somebody should, what, where they're going to fall, you know, fatigue rate wise. And they were always consistently too high. And the numbers, as you got out closer to like, you know, anaerobic threshold, like the 32 to 64 minute they power. They were just skewed Yeah, it was always like really low um, okay. because the fatigue rate was too high. So what we experimented with last, last year, year yeah. or the year before was one, taking the two minute one out. Mm -hmm. So you just had two really hard efforts to focus on and then putting the four minute one first. So you came into it coming off of the 20 minute aerobic oh, right. Effort. Kind of easing into it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So the... We've gone from a 20-minute sub-threshold interval to a four-minute hard interval. Then you recover, and you just have a one-minute one left. Right, and there's something mentally so much easier about that. You're like, okay, woof, that four-minute one is done. I can do anything for a minute, and you just, like, dig deep and crank it out. Right, right. When, it, when Before, when it was the other way around, and the durations were increasing, Yeah. it was really hard because people would... I was would, crying inside. Well, and it was so funny. So many people would, like, just completely... Blow the doors off on the one minute one and destroy it. And have like, you know, 600, 600 watts, watts or whatever yeah. for a minute. And then by the time we got to the four minute one, they were gassed. And they, yeah. after 45 seconds, they were petering out. And it was too hard to pace. Because you were like used to going really hard. That's true. And you had to like internally back off to get your two minute one in back mm -hmm. then. And then back it off again to get the four minute one. And... It, this way, going four minute first, lots of rest, then one minute, I think you get more accurate numbers, and the whole like pacing strategy and concept works better. Yeah, I think for me, this works better, and I, I go back to my track days again. I, in the track meet, I would run a mile, and then I'd run the half mile too, but then the last race of the of the meet was the four by 400 and that's like the one minute one. Right. And it's like, okay, I'm tired. I've already done the mile. I've already done the half mile. I can one more one. I can run one more lap hard. Right. It's just one lap. Right. So I think you'll, you'll all appreciate this um, new and improved format where you, you just have to hang on for one minute for the last test. Right. New and improved two, two years ago. Oh, we did, right. this sure. is, if you did this last year, this is what we did last year. Um, and yeah, all through last year, testing about 100 athletes or so, it, all the numbers like just kind of lined up and made a lot more sense and worked much better. Um, so I'm pretty confident in the, the formatting. And then also, as a side note, um, anyone that's into training and listening and following stuff, the Sufferfest um, gang, they have their testing protocol that they kind of rolled out a year-ish ago with their, I think they call it like the 4D test. And it's actually very similar concept mm, okay. and even in execution to what we're doing <clears throat> although they still keep the 20 minute standard Oof. yeah talk about hard they keep the 20 minute time trial in there then some rest and then they throw in like a couple of sprints i think maybe before that but they then they end up with a 
four or five minute one and a one minute one. Okay, so. that sounds really complicated, but <laughs> yeah, theirs is a little more complicated oh and sounds really daunting. But what I'm getting at is, you know, they're also, you know, landing on this similar patterning. Okay, so I think it's a it's a good way to go. Well, we've also noticed over the the years that new people that come into our program in house, um, there, there's some like learning. There's some yeah learning there with how to execute the test, and they don't always tap into their full potential for the four-minute test or the one-minute test the first couple uh, rounds that yeah. they're doing it. there's definitely so a learning curve. If, if you're listening from home and this is your first time, you, you may get to the end of the four-minute test and think, oh, I don't think I gave it all. Um, shoot. Don't worry about it. You're going to get, you're going to get to do it in a few more months, um, and you can try to employ a better strategy. Uh, what are your tips on pacing that you like to share with the group? Yeah. Um, well, the 20... 20- the 20 minute aerobic test is fairly straightforward and simple. Like just keep your heart rate where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. If it starts creeping up too much, try and either shift to a little easier gear or lighten the resistance. However you have it on your trainer and also take some deep breaths and try to relax. A lot of times it's like you get too tense and your mm-hmm. heart rate will go. If you just kind of relax, um, it will settle in. And then conversely, if you see that your heart rate isn't is a couple beats too low, Generally, just pick up that cadence a couple RPMs and power goes up and heart rate goes up slightly where it should be. So that one's not too tough. Um, The four-minute anaerobic, you know, all-out effort definitely requires some pacing. Mm -hmm. So what I tell people in class is break that four minutes up into four one-minute intervals in, in your mind, you know, watching your clock. And the first minute should be moderately hard. You're definitely like holding back. Mm-hmm. And then the second minute is hard. And then the third minute is the hardest minute to get through. Agreed. So keep it around that hard effort and really concentrate, focus. And then when you get to the last minute, the fourth minute, is when you can really start to like ramp it up. And typically what I do and what I recommend people in the gym when we're testing to do is more than likely you're going to start in a little easier gear for that first minute, and that keeps it moderately hard. Your legs are spinning, a little higher cadence. Then in that second minute, shift down to a harder gear, okay? Then that automatically, if you keep your cadence about the same, power is going to go up. Then that third minute, ideally shift again and try to keep cadence the same, or if it drops a little, that's fine. But really, that's that third minute's where you got to really bear down and focus. And then the last minute, you might end up shifting three, four, maybe even five times. And stand up sometimes. And stand up yeah. by the end. So by the end, yeah, the last 20, 30 seconds, horrible. you're more or less sprinting yeah. with what you got. And and you've worked down through a lot of cogs at this point, and you're in a pretty good-sized gear and really getting after it. And For it, sure. It's tough. But the last minute, like you said before, it's like you can get through the last minute. It's just getting to that last minute is sometimes the Right. Well, when I, I just keep going back to my track days, and, and when I ran the mile, there's four laps, and the third lap was always the hardest one. It's just get around that track for yeah. the third lap, and then you just have one more to go. Right, right. So that one's tough. Then you get, like I said, about six, seven minutes recovery. You can get off the bike. You can use the bathroom, drink a little bit, spin the legs a little bit, um, you know, really let that heart rate come down, you know, to feel most of the way fully recovered. And then you're going to gear up again mentally for that last minute. And I honestly do about the same thing. I break it into four 15-second segments in my mind. And again, making sure I start out moderately hard, but not so moderately that I right. can't sort of catch back up. Yeah, you, but you kind of know, too, that you can hit a certain number of watts. You'll kind of aim for that because if you a minute is so short. If you it don't is. get your watts up right away... You're kind of screwed with the average. Right. And then you want to increase that effort much more quickly relative to the four-minute one. Right. And get it up there. So you're going to shift three, four, five times maybe over the course of the minute. Um, So that last, again, 15, 20 seconds, you're kind of sprinting and giving it everything you got. Um, But yeah, there's a definite learning curve. Um, There is. And if you find the first time you do this that you peter out the last 15, 20 seconds of the minute test and like literally you can barely pedal... It's okay, just kind of <laughs> like maybe you just sort of guesstimate then, and then and then you'll you'll do better the next time. You'll, right. you'll figure it out after one or two times. Yeah, that works. And also, you know, if you're doing this at home, you could, if you wanted to, take 
you know, another six or seven or eight minutes to recover and try it again. That's true. You have that flexibility when you're at home. In the gym, we can't really do it. So we're like, eh, we're out of time. Um, But if you're doing this at home, and then likewise, if you just feel like you could have done better, like you finished the test, you're analyzing your data, and you're like, oh, I know I could have squeezed out that a little bit more or whatever. If it's a little bit more, I would say, like, don't even worry about it. But if you kind of flubbed it and you're like, oh, I'm probably 10% too low or more, you can redo this test on your own later, like, in the week or something, um, you know, if you really feel like it. Right. But, you know, I think a, a small error or, like, if you're close but, you know, don't – I wouldn't do it if you think, like, I can squeeze out an extra Yeah, because you always say it's – like, our training zones are based on this, so it's okay to be a little bit undervalued for your training zones so that you don't burn yourself out during your training sessions. Yeah. Well, that comes into where people very commonly – or like I need to like rest and taper for my test <laughs> because yeah, don't do that. Yeah, you don't. I don't recommend that at all. Go into your test as a normal day. In fact, we have people lift weights the day before um, and ride the weekend before. You know, yeah, be, so, do your normal activities. Yeah, do, do your normal training because when you're training and doing workouts, you're not. You can't taper every day for your workout, so you're going through your regular weekly schedule, and you need to be able to do that. Um, and don't worry about it. Yeah, because if you're numbers are a little bit too low and quite honestly more realistic, then you're going to be that much more successful training session to training session and hitting your targets and being successful day to day as opposed to having that little bit higher power output. Looking really cool. Yeah, and spout out some cool numbers, but then you like struggle to finish the intervals. That's not good, and that gets to you mentally and and physically. Um, Right, exactly. So it's better to be a little fatigued, I suppose, going into it. Um, that way. So, so that's it. And then in a nutshell, the test two components, you got your aerobic component. That's that 20 minute at 80%, that aerobic threshold. It's a very moderate effort. You're looking for your best average power done deal. Then the second part of the test, take about a five, six minute recovery in between there. Most people like use the bathroom or whatever. Um, then get, get yourself mentally geared up for that anaerobic test segment. You have that four minute one, six, seven minute break, and then that last one minute one. And uh, give it your best effort, pace yourself, but give it a full effort in the last you know, quarter to third of each um, duration. And then collect those um, average powers, okay? Um, and pat yourself on the back, you did a good job. Yeah, it's tough. And then be sure to spin a little bit at the end and, um, and, and warm down appropriately. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely tough. And if you haven't gone hard in a while, You'll probably cough the rest of the day. Yeah, your legs will feel like jello. You're late. Yeah, you'll be shockingly tired the rest of the day if you haven't, you know, been gone hard in a while. Um, so be be prepared for that as well. Don't plan a something where you have to think a lot afterwards. So um, cool. So now you've got these three data points, right? You've got your aerobic power. You've got those two anaerobic power numbers: four minute and one minute. So now let's talk about. Yeah, the spreadsheet. How do they find the, the spreadsheet? So the spreadsheet, for those following our, our program, is located on the test session workout of the day on Training Peak. So you click on that. There's a download, just like there's a download for our strength training spreadsheet. This is an Excel spreadsheet um, that you'll download and then enter the numbers into, and it'll compute all the different numbers. And then you can, I would recommend printing it out at that point. Um and you know having it handy so when you're doing intervals and things later you can reference those because it'll spit out all your training zones and everything from that um so i think let's go in and talk a little bit about the spreadsheet yeah, and kind sure. of the specifics yeah so we, we pulled up mine from a year and a half ago and printed it out so we could just use some real-time numbers to talk about the training zone calculator that that prints out you have three pages that prints out there's step one two three and four and we'll just Briefly go through each step so it, it makes sense when you're looking at your own data. Right. Um, and then also, let me take a step back. There's actually four data points. So we have our three power numbers, but you also want to gather what that max heart rate was. So when we started with that 20-minute test, you may or may not have known exactly what heart rate to train at and what your max was. I pretty much can guarantee you've discovered your max heart rate after that four or maybe that one-minute interval okay (laughs) so if you don't know what it is going into it you will know going out of it what your max heart rate is 
um, <clears throat> and you want to know that number, and th that'll get entered in to calculate your um, heart rate zones as well. Okay, so there's actually four data points: the three power ones, and then that max heart Good rate. Good point. That you see. Yeah. So on, on, should I just go through my yeah? My let's go through yeah. years from last year. So I, in step one, my my aerobic threshold twenty minute power was one sixty seven. Drop that number in. My max four minute power two seventy. Max one minute power four oh seven, and then my max heart rate like one seventy nine. I, I saw the one eighty two at a, a race a couple years before, so one seventy nine. Um, and that so that's pretty easy in step one. You just plop in four numbers. Right. So we're looking at the spreadsheet. Um, and even above that, you can enter your name, the date of the test. That's true. <laughs> you do want the date because it's fun to go back and look. Yeah. And as a side note, for those not experienced with Excel, there's multiple tabs along the, the bottom of the Excel file that you can put the date and then duplicate the, the pay, the, I forget what they call the, the book or whatever. The spreadsheet. Oh, that's right. So when you do your next test, you can enter in that and then you do your next test. So if you do these tests over the course of the year or even several years, you can have, you know, I have all like, the tabs along the bottom of it. Yeah. And mine sheets, that's what they're called. Sheets. Yeah. Um, from the last several years of all the test data. And that's fun to go back and just see the, the, the ebbs and flows of your fitness. Yeah. And then step two, that this is the really interesting part to me. It, it, the formulas, um, the spreadsheet calculates your fatigue rate. And some heart rate zones. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about that. My fatigue rate on this particular <clears throat> test from the four-minute power down to the one-minute power calculated to be 8.42%. Okay. So what does that mean? When I look at that, like, you're my coach. What would you tell me that means about me as a, an athlete or a cyclist? Yeah, so great question. This is one of the useful things of this um, testing protocol. So it based off of your maximum average four minute power and your maximum average one minute power numbers that you entered in it's calculating how much the the power is dropping from one minute to four minutes okay and that's what that percent is so in your case when you went from a, yeah, a 407 uh, 407 one minute power and a 270 four minute power that's a 8.42 percent reduction in power um as it went now that percentage is pretty linear as those durations continue to double. Meaning when you go from your, so when you went from your one minute and you wanted to know your two minute power without actually testing your two minute power, you could take about 8.42% or say 8% mm. off of your one minute power and that'll get you around that two minute power. You take ah, okay. about eight and a half or so percent off then it's um, around that 270 watts. And then uh, you can keep doing that around that eight and a half percent as durations double. So you can figure out what your eight minute power is, your 16 minute power, your 32 minute power, 64, call that an hour. Then you have two hour, four hour, eight hour power. Okay, so that it, makes sense. And those essentially are your training zones and those correspond to your energy systems that we're training. So our one to four minute power is our anaerobic power energy system. Then when you go to that eight to 16 minute range, that's when we're training VO2 max. Then when you go to that 32 minute to 64 minute, or you can roughly say half hour to hour power, that's your anaerobic threshold training, you know, energy system. That's typically where most people's, you know, FTP numbers fall within that half hour to hour, you know, max power. You can go beyond that to two hour power. That's more or less kind of like sweet spot, which is kind of a popular term these days for, for training. Um, and even beyond that to four hours and beyond, and then you're basically training the, your endurance, like aerobic endurance energy system. Right. So the spreadsheet will use that percent fatigue rate and calculate all your zones out for you to the exact wattage. And then you are equipped with um, your training zones per your energy systems. Which is um, what our base bullet program goes through. Each, yeah, that's what the whole program is. Right, right. So each block we focus on specific energy systems which correspond to heart rate and or power um, that we're targeting within those structured workouts, okay? And so, so we just jumped ahead a little bit on your yeah. – um, the second page of the spreadsheet you'll print out, it's step three. It's your power training zones, and Cody just touched base <clears throat> on those. Um, can you go back in, to my first question, though, about the fatigue rate? Yeah. Am so, I super cool that it's 8.42% <laughs> or does that make me – 
slow? Like, what does that what does that <laughs> number mean? You know, you know, I want a good grade. Right, right. So your fatigue rate lets you shed some light on kind of where your endurance is, you know, and what type of athlete you are. So, um, roughly six percent is kind of like a the tipping point of fatigue rates. So meaning if you're below 6%, that's considered a low fatigue rate, which would relate more to towards an endurance focused diesel engine kind of athlete, as opposed to if your fatigue rate is above 6%, then you're starting to slide more towards like the speed power um, side of the equation. Okay. Right. Don't you have a, a very low fatigue rate? Uh, at times of the year, yeah. I mean, I'm usually hovering right around the 6%, give or take. Yeah. Kind of right in that, like, balance point. So um, my 8% is a little high. Yeah, so 8%, that would indicate that you are more of a speed power athlete. And, and or, depending on how you look at it, your endurance just needs improvement. Right. Right? So, so there's essentially two types of athletes. There's speed and power athletes, and there's endurance athletes. Um you're looking at like the people that played ball sports, um, uh, I mean sprinters, things like that. Growing up, well, football, I did play basketball, basketball, and I did run the 400. Yeah, so soccer players. That I mean, kind of lines up with my fatigue rate test. Yeah, I know I need to improve my endurance. Right, and they're typically those types of people that have grown up playing ball sports that often are more speed and power based athletes, as opposed to people that grew up running or have been running for many years or cycling for many years, they're often more of the diesel engine type the, with the lower fatigue rates. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this is all very trainable and it fluctuates throughout the year too. So if you're doing a lot of strength training, likely your fatigue rate is going to actually go up because you're becoming stronger, more of a, because mm -hmm. you're doing a power activity, lifting weights and especially if you're not riding as much, then your in, that endurance will go down, and your fatigue rate goes up, and it and it changes. And then flip it around. If you're riding your bike a ton, then your endurance is going to go up, and you're probably going to lose some power and speed because training is all a, a balance between endurance and speed, essentially. So, you know, you gain in one area, you're typically going to give up in the other area, and so it's I all about sort get of balancing obsessed with that. this number right now. No, I wouldn't get obsessed. <laughs> it's just about saying, okay, Here's looking where at eight, I am right now. Yeah, eight point four two, eight and a half percent means you should probably prioritize the endurance side of things mm -hmm. more than anything else at that you know, at that time of the year last year. So <clears throat> meaning not to say that you shouldn't lift weights or, or anything like that, but it's like you can help prioritize if you know you're going to have a busy week and miss some workouts, make sure you get like the aerobic in workouts in, right? And right. it also tells you like you should probably spend more time at lower heart rates, getting mm -hmm. the those low heart rate endurance miles in. That's probably what brings down that fatigue rate the best, you know, is accumulating more miles. Likewise, you know, flip it around. Someone who has comes in and tests and does, you know, they have a four percent fatigue rate. Likely, you know, the best way I think for them to then improve is let's get them lifting weights more. Let's get them doing some higher intensity intervals at some point soon. Let's get them improving strength, speed, and power and not, not, not doing endurance work or aerobic work, but just shifting that focus a little bit. Yeah. Way. Well, it's a good guideline. Yeah. It's a perfect guideline. To yeah, let really you know, cool. and it'll just shine some light on, and you'll see it change. I mean, this time of year, well, I should say probably in like two months, once I've gone through quite a bit of weightlifting, my fatigue rate goes up, and what typically happens is my one-minute one, one minute power goes up, mm -hmm. which is great. My four-minute power also goes up, but maybe not quite as much, because remember, it's a relationship between those one-minute and four-minute power. The closer those two numbers are together, mm -hmm. less of a difference than the lower your fatigue rate. Um, and so during the weightlifting phase of the season, for me, it's like my fatigue rate goes up. And then when I start riding more, building towards endurance events or whatever, then the fatigue rate goes down a little bit. Have you found that you need your fatigue rate to be at a certain percentage before races to race well? No. I, it's, it's not that specific? It's not that specific, no. Okay. 
I mean, you are who you are. You know, your muscle fiber types play a role in this, but it just gives you another piece to look at and and track. Because when you do this test again in two months, let's see where your fatigue rate, how it changes. You know, if you're above 6%, your goal might be to start bringing it down a little bit. Right. If you're below 6%, your goal would be to maybe try to bump it up a little bit. So it kind of tells you, do you, you know, need to work on the short end or the the long end of things um, on the energy system side. All right, cool. Let let me ask you another question. On this first page on the bottom right side, it says um, ANT heart rate and then AET heart rate. What would I need to know about that when I'm looking? Okay, so that's taking the max heart rate that you entered near the top of the page mm-hmm. and calculating um, ANT is your anaerobic threshold heart rate or lactate threshold heart rate, um, whatever you want to call it, um, which is roughly around 90-ish percent, somewhere between 88 and 92%, depending on the person. So I think I have that set right around 90% of your max heart rate. That's your anaerobic threshold. My opinion during the base phase of the season, you do not want to exceed that number. Okay. If you're going to race some event, that's fine. But in training, like you, you really don't want to exceed that number very, very frequently because it's just very stressful and it takes more time to recover from that. It does a lot of quote damage um, metabolically, and you know, just takes longer to recover. Okay, that makes sense. Your AET heart rate is that 80% of the max, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's your aerobic threshold. That's what AET is, heart rate. That's the number you don't want to exceed if you're training your aerobic energy system. And for the next block of trainer sessions, we're going to be focused on aerobic threshold work. Exactly. So for that, we're going to be not exceeding that that number, in which your case, based off of 179 max, was 143. Right. You want to spend doing our aerobic threshold intervals for the next or the coming eight weeks, probably one thirty-three to one forty-three. Oh, right, you have that on the the last page, I think. Yeah, the last page under step four. It's the heart rate training zones. Yes, very helpful. Yeah, you have the range of the high aerobic threshold to the low aerobic threshold, and you you are exactly right. It's one thirty-three to one forty-three. Right. So that calculates that out. So that first page, or I guess second page, but the first page of zones. Is, is your power zone. So the way I like to have people train is focus on the power numbers for the higher intensity. So we're talking anaerobic threshold and above intensities. Focus on power and see how your heart rate responds to the work that you're doing. And we'll talk more about that when we get to that phase of the training program. But then when we're training the lower aerobic energy systems, I prefer to have people focus on heart rate as their guide and then see how your power is responding. So it's sort of inverted there, right? So when you're going hard, doing high intensity, train by power and see how your heart rate is responding to the work that you're doing and let that guide you to whether you need to do more work, you know, in the next session, if you're improving or if you're struggling, um, you know, to add in some more recovery. On the lower aerobic end, you want to train via heart rate and then see how what the power is. Okay. Okay. Rather than just saying I'm going to pedal at X heart rate regardless, because sometimes that will, depending on various factors, because we know heart rate is influenced by sleep and elevation and heat and how hydrated you are and all those things. But those are all external stresses that are important and can push you beyond like the preferred way to improve your aerobic energy system. So train by heart rate and look for those average powers or the powers you're doing gradually kind of increasing over the the weeks. Awesome. Okay. Well, I think that pretty much covers the spreadsheet. If you have questions, well, do you have anything else to say about it? I don't know. Okay. I'm I'm looking at the time. I don't want to run out of, I don't want to run run out of time, but if you have questions about the spreadsheet or about the testing, send us, um, questions either through our forum on our website, which is at endurance.session6.com or email us at Cody at session6.com or Kathy at session6.com. Yeah. Um, yeah, not to carry on too long here, but I do want to, we need to get into week eight of our base builder program. So okay. those listening that are following the program, uh, week eight is the last week of our block here. Um, and we get into some potentially heavier weightlifting movements before we kind of wrap this first block up. So, um, 
in the squat and deadlift specifically, we're going to be working up towards, you know, 90%, potentially hitting a one rep max, depending on your ability here. But the key here is making sure you're paying attention to what you're doing. Don't follow the numbers in this case exactly. And make sure you don't do too much. Yeah, just listen to your body. If you're if you're not feeling it that day, just back it off. Um, it, there's no point in throwing your back out. Right. So, so well, over over yeah. these first seven weeks, we've been gradually building up very slowly. And right now, or coming up here at the end, we're going to kind of push that envelope just mm-hmm. a little bit. But be safe. Be careful. But the idea here is to give you a better idea of what your weightlifting potential is, what you're possibly capable of. So when we reset our zones for strength training, because this is essentially testing for strength training, that you have more accurate zones than maybe you did in this Perfect. first block. Exactly. Okay. But if you go, go to grab a bar and there's any thought of like, oh, this feels really heavy, that's probably good. Like don't don't feel like you have to do it. Just call it good. Um, whereas if you're more experienced and know what you're doing and want to go, you know, do do the you know, push it a little bit more, you can certainly do that. But if you're newer, um, just be smart about it. Um, there's nothing really gain- to be gained by doing too much, right? For sure. Yeah, be careful. Um, what else? And then, yeah, wrapping up these final weeks of, like, those longer endurance rides, if you can get them in on the bike. Um, enjoy the outdoor weather because we're going to get a lot more structured. Most people will go indoors, but not everybody. Um, go from there. Uh, all right, let's wrap it up. Um, so yeah, like I said, we're getting close to the end of block one. Block two starts the end of October, October 28th. Um, this is the perfect time. If you've been thinking about joining us, you can definitely join us as these blocks transition. Um, because we will sort of, like I said, reset the strength training loading. So it'll start easier again. Um, and then we're just going to be getting into the testing and the structured bike workout. So it's a good time to join us. Um, we took a hundred bucks off the registration price, brought it down to two ninety nine, and you'd be able to train with us for blocks two, three, and four. Um, and, uh, still get all the benefits really. Um, yeah. So jump on in it. if you have any interest at all and you've just been holding back. Right. And then also we have our base builder stock training plans available And the 24-week Base Builder program that we offer is extremely similar to the coming blocks two, three, and four of our remote plan. It's not exactly, because each year we kind of evolve things, but um, you could potentially follow that starting, you know, next week or or so, and and everything we'd be talking about would make sense if it's not, you know, if not exactly what we're talking about. So um, as a a secondary option as well, the Base Builder stock training plans, all available on our website. The links to those pages are available in the show notes of the podcast. So if you are interested, there's links to get you connected to those so you can learn more. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. This one ran a little longer than we would like to. Well, like we said, there's a lot to the testing protocol. But if we didn't explain something as clear as you need it, please reach out through the forum or our email addresses. Yeah, exactly. And then we'll end it with, uh, you know, subscribe to our podcast, iTunes and Google. Um, Leave a rating and a review. And we'll keep plugging along here. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your weekend.